So the message we're going to go through together is on this song, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And I mentioned to some of you already, this is a hymn that was written by Martin Luther. Martin Luther, a pretty significant figure in church history. Some of you here may have grown up going to either a Lutheran church or something of the sort, but all Protestants today at some level trace their roots back to Martin Luther. During Martin Luther's time, whenever he lived, he at first he was studying to be a lawyer, and then he was almost struck by lightning one day and prayed to a saint and then decided he was going to commit his life to be a monk. And then he spent the next portion of his life basically trying to do everything he could to make himself acceptable to God. He knew he was a sinner, and he thought, well, if he whipped himself and wore itchy, uncomfortable clothes and went out in the freezing cold and all these things, he thought he could pay essentially for his own sins. Well, then one day as he's studying and reading through the book of Romans, he saw the statement, the just shall live by faith. And it completely changed everything when he realized God does not accept anyone because they're good enough. Only by faith in Jesus Christ. So from that point forward, Martin Luther started to try to reform the Roman Catholic Church. He dealt with their issues around indulgences and papal uh, infallibility. He tried to address the wrong issues in the church. Well, uh, during this period, at some point during this time, he wrote this song, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And I think it's very fitting. You guys, I heard Royce was telling me some of you had some little trick-or-treaters coming through last night, giving out some candy and getting to see the kids. And that's, that's wonderful. Well, the world, most of the secular world, just celebrated Halloween yesterday. But it's this time of year that Christians all over the place celebrate the Reformation. Call it Reformation Day, the day when it's marked in history where the church began a reforming process, reforming away from Roman Catholicism into what has become Protestantism today. So with that brief bit of introduction, let's work through these verses we just sang and consider what they tell us. The first verse, I'll just go through the entire verse and then deal with it in a whole way. So the first verse we sang said, A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper He amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate, on earth is not His equal. So the first thing I want to ask, like I did last week, what's a bulwark? We just sang that song, A Bulwark Never Failing. What is a bulwark? Have any idea? A bulwark would simply have been a wall of earth or some material that was built up around a city or a castle structure. It would have been a line of defense in order to protect against any kind of external danger, injury, or even annoyance. It was a protection, a wall of protection. So the song we're singing says, a mighty fortress is our God. He is a wall of protection around us. That's what Martin Luther's singing. And there are really primarily two different realities that are expressed in this first verse. The first is that the God in whom we trust is almighty. He cannot be defeated and He will never fail. A mighty fortress is our God. A bulwark never failing. That's the first picture. Psalm number 46 and verse 1 says this. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. 
God is the place we find refuge. Whenever there's difficulties or trials or opposition, and Martin Luther knew a lot about opposition and trials. Basically, all of the Roman Catholic Church wanted that man killed for standing up and opposing them. He knew about trials. He knew about opposition. And he writes this in a lot of the Scriptures that tell us God is the place we find refuge. The second reality that's shown us in this verse is that we have an ancient foe. Did you catch that line? Still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. What do you suppose that's saying? Well, we trace back in the Scriptures to Genesis chapter 3. What happened? God had created man and woman in His image, placed them in a perfect garden with everything they needed. And here comes this foe, this ancient enemy of man, the devil himself as the serpent, snuck in there to bring about the fall of man through the temptation. And Martin Luther's writing for us, still our ancient foe, the one who all those years ago in the garden brought woe to mankind when we were all thrown into sin and depravity and wickedness, that enemy is still at work in the world. And we find his craft and power are great. He's armed with cruel hate. If you look around the world today, is there anything that's more predominant in the news headlines than cruel hate? Hatred from those who commit wicked crimes in society. Hatred from those who commit wicked crimes in government and politics. There's cruel hatred abounding in every area of life. And we find there's this ancient foe who's been working woe from the beginning and he's still doing it. He's cunning, he's strong, and not a one of us had any chance of standing up to him in our own strength. His His craft and power are great. 1 Peter 5.8 tells us this, Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So here's the question in light of what we just sang. Do you realize that the devil is prowling around seeking someone to devour? And namely, that's applied to Christian people. If you say, I love Jesus, the devil is against you. He's prowling around looking to devour you, looking to destroy you. That's what the Scripture tells us. And the encouragement in this verse is that though we live in a world full of satanic difficulty, God is a mighty refuge in whom we can rest. God is this mighty fortress for us in the face of all the opposition. Move along with me to the next verse. The second verse we sing. Did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side. The man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is He. Lord Sabaoth, His name, from age to age the same, and He must win the battle. So, we look and we see the second verse also has two realities. The first verse had two realities. God is almighty. God is able to defend against any enemy. Second reality, we have an ancient foe in the devil who's seeking to work us woe, seeking to do harm to us. Those are those two realities. In this verse, we find two more realities. The first is the undeniable truth that we are completely unable to win the battle for ourselves. And what battle do you think this is describing? In light of the context of the song and what he's talking about, there's this ancient foe working against us and there's this battle that must be won. The battle is against Satan and against sin. You see that in the line there? Did we in our own strength confide? 
Are you trusting in your own strength? Whenever you look at your day, and namely in the greatest battle we ought to consider is when you stand before God. When you give an account before God for your entire life and God says, let me look at the scroll of your life and all that you've ever done. Is that list going to merit your entrance into the kingdom of God? Everything that Satan has done from the beginning in Genesis 3 and in the world today is to bring a charge against you, against mankind as one who's guilty. He's the accuser of the brethren. He wants to accuse us and bring about death in us. Are you going to stand before God in your own strength? The song says if we confide in our own strength, our striving would be losing. That's the first reality. The second one in this verse is this. And it ought to produce much rejoicing and praise. The fact that you and I could never do enough good for God to look at you and say, I love you, your mind come into heaven. There's nothing you could do to produce that. In light of that, we ought to rejoice to hear there is this one, this one who is the right man. Here's this one who's God's own chosen servant who's able to have strength on our behalf. We read, we're not the right man on our side. There is one on our side, the man God has chosen. Who is it? Christ Jesus, it is He. That God has sent His Son to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And we find both of those expressed in the book of Romans chapter 8. If you'll listen along with me, here's the two realities. Our strength, our flesh, our ability to do good at all is completely limited. And God has done something in light of our weak state, our weak flesh. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So here's what he's saying. If we relied on our own strength, if you rely and trust that you're going to be able to be righteous, to keep God's law, you can't do it. And when you failed, how many of you have recognized, I failed, I've been angry, I've had a temper, I've used foul language with the mouth God gave me to praise Him, I'm cursing people with it. How many of us have failed and we realize our failure and all of a sudden it's like, I want to try to do better. And so you try and then you fail and your head just com continues to hit a brick wall. You can't get through it. Failure, failure, failure. And we live all of our lives trying to be better and we constantly fail. If it were up to you and I, our strength will never break through that wall to be righteous as God commands us to be righteous. The flesh is weak. The law will not avail for you. If you look at God's commandments and say, I'm going to try to do that, you're going to fail. The flesh is weak and the law can't save because the flesh is weak. If you confide in your own strength, then you're going to be losing in the end. But then there's this one, the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. We find God has done what the law could not do by sending Jesus in the likeness of sinful flesh. And it's though every time Jesus faced a temptation to sin or to fail, He continues to break through that wall and continue upward, upward, and nothing can stop Him from doing what God sent Him to do. He's the right man, the strong man, the one God has sent, the one with all power. And you ask, we sing, dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is He. 
And here's another curious line. What does Lord Sabaoth mean? What does that mean? Is that it's not specifically talking about the Sabbath. It's not talking about the seventh day of the week that they used to rest on in the Old Testament. Lord Sabaoth simply means Lord of hosts. In other words, who is Christ Jesus? His name is the captain of the Lord's army. He's the commander of the heavenly host. The one who's on our side, the one who is able to take up our cause and save us, is the one with limitless strength that commands the armies of heaven. This is who He is. Lord Sabaoth, His name. The one that's almighty with all strength. And the verse concludes, and He must win the battle. The battle that we could not win. Here's the picture. Satan waged war against man in Genesis by leading him to fall in temptation and sin. And then here comes the Lord Jesus Christ after all these years, 4,000 years of man striving against the devil and losing, losing, losing. Jesus enters the picture. Satan comes to him, tempts him three times to sin against God. And every time, Jesus is victorious. Jesus wins the battle on our behalf and He has won it. And then He finally won it on the cross as He died in the place of sinners, putting to death our sin in Himself. Jesus fulfilled perfect righteousness by keeping the law for us. And then He went and died under the wrath of God that we deserve. He must win the battle. The third verse, we move right along, says this, And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed His truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, We tremble not for Him. His rage we can endure, for lo, His doom is sure. One little word shall fail Him. You see a repeated theme in Martin Luther's hymn here for us today? There's an enemy of your soul, Satan, the devil, the demons in this world, they're against you. And the repeated refrain is this, There is enemies against us and there is the living God who's mightier than those enemies. The one who's able to conquer and destroy them. Who's going to cast them into the lake of fire. I ask kids all the time whenever I'm evangelizing and young people always seem to think this. Maybe you think this. I'll ask them, who does hell belong to? They tell me the devil. I say, no, it doesn't. Hell was created by God for the devil and his demons and every unbelieving person to be put in. The devil himself will be cast in the lake of fire. It does not belong to him. He's going to burn there as well. And here's the picture. There's this enemy that God is able to, with one word, silence, stop, and destroy him. This third verse is reemphasizing to us the reality that there are threatenings in this world, not only of our ancient foe Satan, but also of his demonic servants. It says, this world with devils filled. This is a reference to demons who are active in the world doing mischief, but it's also a reference to the system of this world. There are those who are called in the Bible children of or servants of Satan. People in the world in which we live. People, human beings in this world who are carrying out the desires of Satan. We could call them devils. Those who are opposed to truth and to God constantly coming against and opposing Christianity. Trying to distract Christians and draw them away from God. And the song lyrics are telling us that though there are certain threats against Christians, we're reminded that God's power is infinitely greater than all these devilish forces. Consider from this from Ephesians chapter 6. 
Ephesians chapter 6 tells us this, in light of this devilish activity, chapter 6, verses 10 through 12, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. You notice that? If in our own strength we confide, our striving would be losing. Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Not my strength, not my might. His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. That's the picture. Devils in this world. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. This world is filled with devils. But then notice again how in the verse here, in this song, it declares to us what? What is the source of our overcoming? That's a pretty bleak picture. If there are devils in this world and there's a head of the devils called Satan and all the evil plus all the wicked people in the world, that's pretty hopeless. How am I going to overcome or triumph in this wicked world? The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. Why are we not going to tremble for him? It says our, his rage we can endure. For lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fail him. Here's the point. The place of triumph for the Christian is God hath willed His truth to triumph through us. What is that telling us? First off, let's ask the question, where is it that we find God's truth? There are lots of people you'll hear. People will come on your television if you watch it on TBN and they'll tell you they're prophets from God and they've got a word from God for you. Well, really. I'm pretty suspect of those folks because God has spoken and those who say they speak for God, you would imagine the bulk of what they're going to say is going to come from this book and not from their own imaginations. We find there's His truth that's going to triumph through us. What's the source of that truth? Where does that truth come from? That leads us into our last verse. Starts this way, that word above all earthly powers. No thanks to them abideth. The Spirit and the gifts are ours through Him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. So what's the, what's the source of God's truth which is going to help us to triumph over the devil? It is the Word of God. The Word, that Word above all earthly powers. That's the power. It's God's Word is above every earthly power in opposition to God. And it's only the Word of God which gives us God's truth which triumphs over evil. If someone comes to you and says, I have a Word from God, a truth from God, and it's not coming from this book, be very cautious with that person. They're probably not telling you the truth and you can't measure what they're saying. But if they bring the Scriptures... This is the Word that is above all earthly powers. And in this Word that we have, God promises us every spiritual blessing in Christ. It says the Spirit and the gifts are ours. How do you know? How do you know that God is going to strengthen you with the Holy Spirit as the devil opposes you? Ephesians 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So Paul says to the Ephesian church, whatever opposition you face, God has given you, He has not withheld from you any spiritual blessing. The Word of God becomes a rock beneath your feet that you can hold on to. 
and the eternal promises of God. Notice the contrast. Here's this eternal hope in the living God that transcends the material world. We find this, let goods and kindred go. My money, my family, and everything I hold dear in this life, take it all from me. I'm serving the living God and I have a hope for eternal life in Jesus Christ. And you can't take that away from me. The devil can do many things to harm you, but he cannot take eternal life from you if God has given it to you. There's a hope in the Word of God that goes beyond these things. And yes, even my own life. Take my material goods, take my family, my friends, take even my own life. The body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. The rock of truth and the word of God is stable and it's an anchor for your soul regardless of what happens in this fallen world. And we conclude our song with His kingdom is forever. Glorious truths. I want to close with just a section of Scripture from Romans 8, beginning in verse 31. Here's the the hope, the rock of assurance that we have in the Scriptures as we face devilish opposition. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. And more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, For your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The significance, the strength behind Martin Luther's hymn, A Mighty Fortress, is this. He had tried everything in the material carnal world to be accepted before God. He had already lost everything in his pursuit of righteousness that he could provide. And he found it to be lacking. He knew he could never be good enough. He could never be righteous enough for God to say, I receive you. I accept you. He knew that. He'd come to the end of himself. And he realized this. That the love of God in Christ is on the basis of what Jesus did. And he couldn't add to that. And he knew that the hope he had far surpassed any temporal or material gain. You know, it's very likely that within the next number of months, even days or weeks perhaps, that some of you sitting right here right now are going to step out into eternity having breathed your last. The, the time for trifling over material is gone, Right? What good's it going to do you? You can't take anything you have with you when you go. You can hope that the people you leave behind are okay, they're comfortable, they're blessed. But as far as you, you're going to face God in the judgment. And what will you hear? Are you going to be able to cry out with Martin Luther, the just shall live by faith alone in Jesus Christ? That Jesus did it all for me? Have you repented of sin and trusted that Jesus died in your place? Because if that's where you're at, you do have an unfailing anchor through any opposition, any attacks from Satan. And you can say, a mighty fortress is our God. 
One who will never be overcome. Never be overthrown. Remember what Jesus said. We could summarize this whole song this way. Jesus said in the world, you will have tribulation. You'll have trouble. But take heart. Why? Why can we take heart? Jesus said, I have overcome the world. And He did that most supremely as He died upon the cross for those who would be saved. I pray that's an encouragement to you. And so I want to ask you to bow with me and we'll close and then sing our song once again. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank You for Your grace. I thank You for Your power against evil and that You do overcome. Lord, I pray that You would subdue our hearts to Yourself, that You would bring much glory to the Lord Jesus Christ for all that He has done. Lord, I thank You for this time. In Jesus' name, Amen.